young guns. Darling, we're the young guns. <laughs> young guns. Shouldn't be afraid. Hi, everybody. No, what that bit was supposed to be. Uh, that that was, uh, of course, me introducing our podcast. I think you'd be into it. Uh, the podcast about your faves uh, by singing a uh, what we call a parody of the Cliff Richard song, "The Young Ones," aka the theme song to "The Young Ones." Okay, uh, that that great classic BBC sitcom. I do from like the that 80s. show. I just don't think I've watched enough of it to really register the theme song of it. I thought you hated that show. I don't dislike that show. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't do much for me. That's that's fair. But anyway, enough about the greatest uh, British comedy of the 1980s. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. And uh, joining us today, you know him as one of the co-hosts uh, and co-creators and co-conspirators behind uh, Fernandez and Rose's Sketch That Tune uh, at the Pack Theater. He's also uh, part of the sketch comedic group Frindo. Um, and I'm going to introduce him with my best Andrew Fernandez voice. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Rose. Andrew, when did you get here? Oh, I've been here guys. all the time. <laughs> of course. Always always riding my coattail. Smoking cigarettes and yes ending your bits. <laughs> I don't think we included Fernandez in the tantrum drag last week, so we have room. <laughs> That's true. Because there enough. was a tantrum drag last week. <laughs> oh, good. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. How are you? We're good. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm doing my thing. I'm staying busy. Mostly uh until an obscene amount of fast food these days. But besides Oh that. yeah. Yeah. I I've transitioned to like a mostly McDonald's diet at this point. Well, it's been very exciting because they keep putting out a lot of new uh new items he tried uh, the spicy nugs <laughs> I, I i that's on my agenda for probably right after we, we're done recording this <laughs> i gotta try the spicy nugs because i've been enjoying the spicy chicken strips at jack-in-the-box which are not bad at all the these spicy nugs are you can find a better spicy nugget if oh, you really? just go to if you just go to wendy's there there's something about the 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 spice whatever mm-hmm. whatever they did to add the spice to the like skin mm-hmm uh, got rid of all of the like crunchiness hmm. and texture. Ew, that so is like, like soggy McDonald's nuggets. Yeah, they they just feel really kind of like flat and like they're, yeah, they're kind of soggy but also spicy, which is like not a great combination. Have I been called that before? Yes, I have. <laughs> soggy but and spicy. Yeah. Um. The, the other day when I was at McDonald's, I I asked the woman what that uh oh god who's the basketball guy. <laughs> who has uh, has his his combo now at McDonald's? I would not even begin to. Uh, Cactus Jack. Um, Shaq. Uh, that's the, apparently the, like the, the the brand. I don't know. There's some basketball player that has a, a current basketball player. I don't know. At, at, after the Dream Team, I, I kind of fall off. If only we were all on our computer. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Let's just be still be in the dark on this one. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Whoever whoever it was. Um. Some basketball player has like a special like limited time meal that you mm-hmm. can order mm-hmm. that is literally just a quarter pounder with cheese and a sprite. That's it. Well, that's <laughs> what I get most of the time anyway. And I asked the lady, I'm like, hey, what's what's uh what's on this combo? Like, what's what 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 makes this burger special? She's like, it's just a quarter pounder. 
this is a bit of a new trend I've noticed in fast food where uh, some obscure celebrity or or not obscure, I guess, to some people or, or, or influencers and celebrities have been getting their own combos. Or if you uh, you say the special code word and you get some sort of special combo. Is it the Travis Scott combo meal? Yes, the Travis, Travis Scott. Scott. Travis Scott's a basketball player? No, I, I don't. So. I don't think so. Maybe he's a rapper. I think he's a rapper, actually. Okay. Yeah. Starting on Tuesday, McDonald's will be putting a Travis Scott-inspired meal on its menu. McDonald's announced that the Raptors Cactus Jack combo meal, (laughs) dubbed after the record label founded by Scott and his nickname, will be available to order at its restaurants nationwide through October 1st. The meal, which is made up of Scott's favorite McDonald's order, a quarter pounder with cheese, bacon, and lettuce, a medium order of fries with barbecue sauce, and a Sprite, costs $6. But his nickname is Cactus Jack? I guess. Yep. That's bullshit. There's one Cactus Jack, and that's Mick Foley. And anyone who says any different can get fucked <laughs> up. That's true. We actually have some personal history with Mick Foley on this show. Oh, hell yeah. Mick Foley is uh, uh, from Long Island. He's a hometown boy. He's he's the nicest man I've ever fucking worked I've with. I've also heard this. He's amazing. When I was working at, um, back when I was working at Paper Cuts, we, we had the WWE license, and we did mm-hmm. um, a series that was kind of like, creative directed by him he like helped Mm. with the story and writing and stuff and um he came and did a couple signings with us and he was just he was amazing he's great one of them was we were down at we were down at midtown comics um and it was like the downtown one it was a huge snowstorm that morning fans were lined up like outside in the snow Mm -hmm. around the block and he showed up this man for the record if you didn't know this mick foley fucking loves christmas yeah oh Um, yeah he's a santa yeah he showed up in his santa outfit of course and he waited for every like every single person that waited out in the snow Mm -hmm. for him like he was committed to seeing every single person one dude was like oh i'd really hoped like i could ask you if i could like buy you lunch but i know there's a long line and mick foley gave him 20 bucks and said here go get a pizza and come back and we'll sit here and eat it and he did like the dude went out and bought a pizza and like came back and mcfoley sat there and like ate the pizza with the dude while he signed shit nice he gave a kid that came through like one of his personal toys he was Mm -hmm. the nicest man i've ever worked with (laughs) he's a he's 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 a good egg and a great writer multiple uh best-selling books he has a great uh he wrote several biographies but he also has uh, uh a fiction book called uh tedum brown about a boy who goes to live with his uh, estranged father. And mm-hmm. it's it's really, really good, really good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> yeah, we, we fully stand Mick Foley in this house. We do. Good, good. I'm glad because he deserves it. And what, speaking of uh, things we stand, uh, why don't we talk about what we're into this week? Don't worry, I actually have one this time. Thank God. Uh, this week, I am into Spelunky 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Guys, it's time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's, it is it is time. You may have remembered, uh, if you've been listening to this show, the whole three years we've been doing it, way back, I want to say it's like episode four. It's I, I think it's like 29. I don't it's, know. It's, it's pretty early, though, but we did an yeah. episode with Chris Plant on Spelunky 1, uh, <laughs> Brandon's problematic fave yep. for many years, and now the sequel has emerged. Okay. Yeah, so Spelunky is the best game that's ever been made. Right. Um, it is my my favorite genre of games is the platformer, like just the very old school like Mario kind of thing. And honest to God, uh, for like the first twenty five years of my life, or however long it was up until I first played Spelunky, I thought you were never gonna f- there was never gonna be a platformer that would be as tight and like just like perfectly balanced controls wise as super mario world that is a great game but spelunky spelunky did it 
Like they 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 managed to make the tightest platformer I've ever played. You're essentially uh, you're essentially a little Indiana Jones guy mm-hmm. going through uh a like a mine shaft and sure. then like a jungle and some ice caves um all to like get the treasure from this big uh like giant idol named Olmec. Okay. Um but the thing about Spelunky is that it's randomly generated every time. So like the le- like the like the biome of the level will always be the same, mm-hmm. but the layout and where the enemies are and where the items are is always randomized. So you can't memorize it. Yeah, you can't memorize it and um there are certain overarching actions that you are looking for in each level. Like in the first level, one of the things you're looking for is like a key in a chest that will give you one thing that you don't have to get it. But mm-hmm. if you do, then there's another progressive thing you can do in like the next level. But like yeah. in terms of layout, no, you can't memorize it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which like really, it, it, which is what makes it so interesting because the, the, the genre for that is called the roguelike, which basically just means it, it's when you die, you're dead and you got to start over. Um, and it makes it so like... The goal of the game is less to like win and or, or beat it, um, and more just to kind of like learn how the systems all work together. Okay. Because the world the world around you is persistent, and like even if you die and you're gonna die, because this game is super hard, um, the world keeps going on around you, <laughs> <laughs> like life. They just released Spelunky two uh, a couple weeks ago, which like. I I cannot believe they pulled it off, but like, it's just, it's a phenomenal sequel that uh, builds on all of the ideas from the first game in a really interesting way, um, and adds enough new stuff um, that like it, it's almost it's this I've had this surreal feeling of you know you know if you if you play a Mario game if if you're baseline competent at a Mario you can play any Mario um like but I'm having this weird experience of like I'm playing a game that is essentially a game I've played for eight years thousands of times but it's different now and I'm bad at it (laughs) which is a really it's a really surreal feeling to be brought back to almost skill level zero Mm -hmm. for like my favorite game so that's why the adventure continues exactly also, I, I can't play this game at all to save my life. Um, we've discussed before on this show how very, very, very bad I am at video games. But um, it is very fun to watch, partially because of the randomized nature of it and partially because of the stuff he's talking about where, like, the physics and randomization of it means that sometimes you just die in the most... I... 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 Like, it's not, like... It's mean to be like, I laugh at him when he dies, but like some of them are just so absurd. Like it looked like everything was going perfect. And then like out of nowhere off screen comes flying an arrow that just like hits you into a wall that makes you fall into some spikes. And then while you're still like dizzy, you try to Mm -hmm. get up and something comes and runs at you and it just like Mm -hmm. piles on and it's so funny. (laughs) Well, it's never the thing you see coming. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it is often chaotic to the point of like when you die you can't even like, really can't be, even mad be mad sometimes <laughs> like there have been so many times where i've died and just been uh-huh. like well okay there's a 30 minute run down the drain because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a yeti walked off a platform above <laughs> me that i couldn't see and fell onto an exploding frog 
if you watch streamers who play this game too, they all have this similar experience and it's very funny. Also, I did look it up. It was episode 22 was the original Spelunky episode. Okay. So we, we about, about split the difference on the numbers there. No, you were much closer. Brendan, are you a frustrated gamer? Do you get frustrated and, and throw controllers? Um, I, I will get frustrated. I, I like to play games that are a challenge. Um, but like, I'll only go so far. Like there have definitely been times over the years where like the most vivid one I remember was when that first Wolfenstein, uh, reboot came out like seven, eight years ago, whenever mm-hmm. that was, uh, I got stuck in one spot that I just couldn't get past to the point where like Beth was in bed and I yelled like fucking cock from the <laughs> other room. We were still in New York. I was like in bed trying to sleep for work the next morning and I came out and I was like, okay, you need to stop playing Wolfenstein. Well, it was actually probably more like fucking Nazi piece of shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I came out and I took the controller from him. I was like, you're done playing Wolfenstein right now. We can't yeah. do this. You're in punishment. But with Spelunky, he more more than mm-hmm. like rage quits. He's just like, I cannot do this anymore. I need yeah. to walk away. It's It's definitely one of those games where like, your your skill for that particular session mm-hmm. definitely peaks mm-hmm. at some point. <laughs> and, like, there does become a moment where it's like, I'm not going to do any better than I already have. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to get more and more annoyed. I need to walk away. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to stop right now. I've been playing Death Stranding, and I just, it doesn't really start or or end ever. That sounds right for one of his games. Yeah. How how are you, in, how are you enjoying that? Because I, I'm fascinated by that mm-hmm. game, but also it looks like boring as shit to actually play that's what i thought and i've been enjoying it quite a bit even though the game is makes no sense you you're norman reedus and you deliver packages and you have a baby strapped to you but it's not like a regular baby and that's as far as i can tell the whole story and his name is like die babyman right (laughs) there's no there his name is is uh sam porter bridges because he's a porter and he works Mm -hmm. for bridges there's a character named die Hardman, uh and i don't know why he's called that he wears a suit and then there's the baby whose name is BB and he has flashbacks about Mads Mickelson. (laughs) Okay. And then you just walk around uh, a countryside delivering packages to other people. And sometimes you get attacked by ghosts. And occasionally you meet Conan O'Brien. Is Conan O'Brien in it? Because Guillermo del Toro is also in it. Yeah, del Toro's in there. Uh, Conan's in there at some point. He gives you a little otter costume, which is actually (laughs) really, really good. I haven't gotten to Conan yet. Yeah, you, Norman Reedus gets like an otter suit that he basically just like can ride down the river in, and it's awesome. it's insane and awesome. Edgar Wright is in there too somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's a um, very oddly enough, it's very enjoyable and it's very zen. You it's uh, you don't get into it like you get into a, a, a you know, the Last of Us or something like that. Sure, the, there's a story and it's compelling, but it's just and I thought I was going to be bored and I bought it only because it was on sale and people were saying it was cool. Uh, and the Avengers game hadn't come out yet. But now I'm determined to finish it before I get anything else because I just need to see what the hell is happening. Oh, totally. That's always felt in the in the lead up to Spelunky. It was like whatever whatever new games I buy after Spelunky 2 comes out are just they're just done. Like it's just I'm I'm sorry, sucks mm-hmm. for those games. I'm sorry I didn't get to finish uh, you know, whatever last game I bought, but Spelunky takes precedence. Can you make uh, Spelunky go to the bathroom uh, anytime you want? Because you can do that with Norman Reedus in uh, in Death Stranding. One and two. Once again, <laughs> that sounds right for one of his games. There, there might be an item later that lets you do that. I don't, I don't know for certain. 
You get to do you get to be Norman Reedus and you get to do all the uh the the bathroom functions. You can take a shower, you can number one and you can number two. And when you number two, the little cover on the bathroom uh is an advertisement for Norman Reedus's AMC reality show, Ride Along. <laughs> wow. wow. Isn't there also like a monster energy drink ad in his house somewhere? Oh yeah, you drink monster energy drink. Uh that's what you drink in this game. Uh and because of that, I have been drinking a lot of monster energy drink recently. Just <laughs> because it's I enjoy it. And I feel like it's on brand and I like when things I like to uh, like when I watch Mad Men, I had to smoke and drink whiskey. And now when I play this game, I got to drink uh, <laughs> a Monster Energy drink. Well, Original, oh, totally. none of the separate side flavors. While we're already talking about things you're into, do you have anything specific you're into this week, Mike? Uh, I am into uh, PulseCon. Are you guys familiar with PulseCon? No. No. That is uh, this weekend. Uh, Hasbro, the toy company, is having their own convention and. I think it was supposed to be like a real live convention thing this year. Then, of course, plans change. But now it's, yeah. it's all online and it's and it's PulseCon. I was going to say, Toy Show is normally this like first week of October. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, all that stuff. So I, I don't know, maybe this is they're doing that in lieu of that, uh, where they're putting out, they're, they're, they're showing all their new things and they have, you know, celebrities coming on and talking about the movies, tie-ins and all that stuff. And oh. I, uh, I'm very excited because I collect uh, Marvel Legend action figures like a, like a 12-year-old and they're uh, releasing all the... The new, they're showing all the new stuff that's coming up, and they have exclusives coming out. And uh, over this va- vacation, <laughs> I almost called this a vacation. Well, it is a vacation to hell. Sure, there you go. I got involved in, I, in all these Facebook groups for for Marvel Legends, and uh, I've learned to hate uh, people who are into this hobby because uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's mostly. I mean, if it, it's mostly just people my age or slightly younger or older. Uh, angry that they're not getting what they want when they want it. I've gotten so much use this year. It finally like came came to my uh, my bookmarks, but I've gotten so much use this year out of the GIF um, from it's always it's always sunny of uh, him going every fandom sucks, bitch. Yeah, it's really true. Everything they're they're terrible and they're they're honestly screaming. They they will yell at people that work for the company that are doing like a, oh hey guys nice to see you welcome to Hasbro this is the thing we're selling today and they'll just be like that's not what I wanted you to sell why aren't you making this and they're literally and they're cursing and they're angry and you have these guys working for this company and they're just trying to like ignore those yeah. comments going on because they're just trying to promo this thing and it's oh they're it, they're they're the worst. Sounds like fish fans and Disney fans. The worst interactions I've ever had on the internet was also when I was working at that, um, the same comics company where we did WWE, we had the Power Mm -hmm. Rangers license for a little while. And let me tell you, Power Rangers dudes on Twitter have a lot of opinions (laughs) about things that you're doing in the comics that I, the social media, the the 22 year old running the social media had no (laughs) control over. There wasn't there one time where like they misspelled Bulk and Skull, like it was like Bulk and Scroll or something like that. We did accidentally call him Bulk and (laughs) We did accidentally, we called them Bulk and Spike instead of Bulk and Skull. Mm. But the thing is, that's also technically not incorrect it's just that spike is skull's son and he doesn't show up till later in the show so we didn't we named him the wrong character but it did come from somewhere the mistake the mistake was genuine in that we we just Mm -hmm. it is a real character skull reproduced i think so look i'm trying to remember this information off the top of my head here and i could be wrong but spike was also in the show okay wow I don't know. I don't know if I ever got the spike. I remember Bulk and Skull. The one we really got a lot of shit for was that there was a panel that, uh, it was in the course of the action, but in the course of the action, 
the a car almost runs over the two girls and so mm-hmm. we got a lot of comments from people being like it's so inappropriate that you would show a car almost hitting the yellow ranger knowing that she died in a horrible car crash oh that's right yeah she did die in a car crash yeah <laughs> and we were like okay guys i'm assuming that that was not common knowledge when you did the car crash that's some deep dive stuff that only <laughs> like real deep fans and like that's the original yellow ranger right which was on when when we were all young children. Yeah, so. it was it was a Mighty Morphin. It was it was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So it was those characters, but like we got a lot of shit for that. And I was like, guys, why didn't you think about that? Why weren't you aware? Jesus, like we were aware, <laughs> but in the great. context of the action sequence that this was in the middle of, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> we didn't target her. That's where the action was. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, no, there's just as the longer a thing has existed, there's a fandom that has memorized every detail and side thing about it, and they are not going to put up with any bullshit that deviates from what they want. And that's why uh, everyone sort of hates Star Wars now. Of course, the great irony of that, at least with Power Rangers, was that like all of these fans are like so, like so obsessed and have every single thing cataloged, and when we got our like asset dump from Saban, it was like three still images like we had to like go find old episodes ourselves like they don't have assets they don't have bibles a lot of a lot of properties a lot of like older nostalgic properties like i just know this from working in comics and like knowing people who work in animations a lot of them rely on like the fan wikis they don't have their own internal bibles because like they just don't. Yeah, because they didn't think of keeping any of this shit when they started. They just were trying to work. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> think that they needed to keep any of uh-huh. it. Or things like with Saban where it changed hands. It went from Saban to Disney back to Saban and like half the assets were lost. <laughs> they just don't. They just rely on fan wikis. So they just got to find a guy. Yeah. <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, pretty much. And be like, oh, hey, can you help us out? And then that person ends up being a consultant. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, that's a great gig. Yeah. Yeah. We had a Smurfs consultant when we worked. Oh, yeah? His name is uh, Matt Murray. He's a great guy. He lives out here. I think he works for Stan Lee's company. Or at least he did last I knew. But yeah, he was our Smurf consultant. <laughs> he was the Smurf guy. Yeah. Oh, 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 I mean, I wish I knew about something that detailed enough that there aren't already a million people that know about it. Yeah, right. Never know. If only I could make money by knowing fish sets. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we could find a way, babe. Uh, all of this has just been my way of uh, stalling because I don't have a thing. Uh... <laughs> okay, look, in fairness, I was I actually got to go back to work very briefly. I had a shoot, so I was working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning, and then I... No, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday morning I had to finish the shoot, and then I slept the rest of Tuesday, and then I had another job yesterday. So I really haven't had time to be into anything this week. So is this going to be a, a DuckTales show? Is this when you say... Okay, look, I'm always into DuckTales, yes. Are, is it the original DuckTales or the new DuckTales? The new DuckTales. I mean, okay. also the old DuckTales, and I could also go on about Tailspin for quite some time. But oh, I enjoy Tailspin quite a bit. But I did actually think of something. Um, I actually, I've been, the only thing I did watch this week in the hour I was awake on Tuesday, I slept for like 22 hours, y'all. Um, uh, in the like hour I was awake was, um, I watched the newest episode of Lovecraft uh, Country, oh, which... Okay because Brandon came in and he was like oh are you just starting this and I was like babe I've been watching it for like five weeks you've been here while I was watching it <laughs> oh hey good news um speaking of DuckTales 
The uh, new run of episodes started yesterday. Oh, hell yeah. Well, don't worry, guys. It's going to be a DuckTale episode soon. Um, <laughs> no, I actually, okay, I respect and understand the criticisms that Lovecraft Country has been getting. That being said, as an aesthetic piece, and I'm not normally a big horror person, but like it's not jump scares. It's the kind of horror that you know it's it it's billed as like a Lovecraftian like Eldritch like mm -hmm. it's more supernatural than horror and I I am enjoying it aesthetically I never read the book um so I don't have that background but um I like how every episode sort of kind of takes on its own sort of stab at every kind of horror yeah genre I like the, you know there was a haunted house episode there was the more Indiana Jones adventure episode there was you know the, the pure Lovecraft it kind of they're just having a little fun. From what I understand of, like I said, I haven't read the book, but like I've, I've looked up some of the, when, when a lot of the criticism of it, of the particular episode where they uh, dealt poorly with um, the first people's character, uh, I did look it up. And, and I think a lot of the beats are based very heavily on the book, but they are then really kind of building off of those beats much more than taking the plot literally. So I think they're taking those beats and turning them into each of these different themed episodes. But the most recent one was the one where you, you see about Tick's time in Korea. Um, and it's an episode in which you basically only see him very briefly at the end. It doesn't okay. really, uh, the majority of the episode focuses on this other woman. And I think that's really interesting when a show does that takes mm -hmm. you to somewhere else. And it's all this very important context and it. it gives you a lot of information that has been hinted at previously. But I think that's a bold move to make an episode of your show in which your main characters basically don't appear. <laughs> and the whole episode takes place in Korea and the majority of it is in subtitled Korean. They don't, they don't, you know, Americanize it, which I thought was a really cool move. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying it as an aesthetic piece. Uh, I think that people who have criticisms of it have the absolute right to criticize it and, uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see uh, where it goes, if it goes, if it lives more than a season. I'm enjoying it. I think it's very popular. I think it's been doing well. Yeah, I think it's already been renewed, hadn't it? I don't know. It might have been. I don't, again, like I said, I, I'm not sure how much past the book. There's really only the one book of source material. So that's why I'm saying, like, I don't know where it's going. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of very, like, heavy supernatural and sci-fi shows recently. Yeah, I'm into yeah. it. I like it. It's almost like we're using superheroes and sci-fi as a metaphor for our fucked society <laughs> yeah but but speaking of metaphors for a fucked society let's get into the topic at hand for the week shall we all i can say is that both superman and captain america support punching nazis so there you go <laughs> that is true for for a solid two minutes this morning i thought henry cavill was brandon ralph nope well, they're all Superman. Different Supermen. True. Oh, actually, though, no, you know what? We have another episode to tape tomorrow. Let me save that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, actually, you know what else I enjoyed? No, save it, Beth. Save it. <laughs> or you're going to be screwed tomorrow. <laughs> but yes, so on to our topic at hand, the classic, classic film starring Leslie Nielsen <laughs> as, a, as a silly cop with some <laughs> other funny cops who do jokes, The Naked Gun. No, I mean no. Young Guns right. with Emilio. Yeah, uh, Young Guns one and two. So, so yes. 
I did post about this last night, Mikey Menace. I was watching I this that. movie. Yeah. I watched the first one. In pre- I didn't get to see the second one. I watched the first one in preparation, and I am so excited to talk about this movie with you. <laughs> this is wonderful. All that that opening that you're talking about uh, is uh, the first thing that they filmed for that movie, and also uh, was exclusively for the trailer because this is one of those movies that uh, uh, had a release date before they uh, started shooting the movie, and they were selling it purely based on uh, all these... 80s uh heartthrobs and hunks being yeah. in a western together yeah. uh, and it was and it was a great strategy because it absolutely worked and it was 100 worth it this was at a point in time when uh dermot mulrooney was still largely just <laughs> being used as a character actor and they didn't realize he was hot yet <laughs> so like it's it, he's just constantly got something massive in his mm-hmm. mouth in the whole movie um it was dirty steve stevens yeah, it was dirty steve yeah and and like I also do have to say that I I watched it on Amazon Prime. That was the, that was the only place I found it. It was free with commercials. Did it have the weird commercial breaks that just out of nowhere it yeah. stopped in the middle of the action? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which like whatever, it's fine. Um, however, I I do want to read you the specific um, description of Young Guns <laughs> that appears on Amazon Prime Video because okay. I feel like. I feel like this description was taken from one of those Twitter memes where it asks you to describe a movie in a way that's technically correct, but also Mm -hmm. not the movie at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The description of this movie on Amazon is, In 1878 New Mexico, rancher John Tunstall hires young gunmen to work on his property while teaching them to read and civilize themselves. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that that is that is what that is a true part of the movie. It's technically part of the movie. Brandon came yeah. in while I was watching it and he was like, "I'm going to need you to read that again." In 1878 New Mexico, rancher John Tunstall hires young gunmen to work on his property while teaching them to read and civilize themselves. <laughs> <laughs> that that covers maybe up to the point where Brandon poked mm-hmm. his head in and said, mm-hmm. can you give mm-hmm. me the TLDR on this movie? And I said, I'm 22 minutes in and so much has happened that I don't know if I can. <laughs> the person who wrote that watched the first five minutes of the movie and was like, all right, I got the gist. Yeah, it, Here, it, put it that makes up. it sound like Western My Fair Lady, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which it is not. <laughs> no, not one bit. This movie, like you're saying, uh, this movie has everything you could possibly want in a movie. It's it's a Western. It's got action. It's about friendship uh, and revenge. It's got an 80s cop movie score. An 80s cop movie score. I did make Brandon listen to this. I was like, you got to look up the score to this movie, my dude. I was oh. like, it is... Wait till you even get to the second one where Bon Jovi, bon Jovi actually does the music for it. It's, oh, it's beautiful. I knew he was in the second one, but I didn't know he did the music. Oh, he does the the big killer. Th- uh, Blaze of Glory is the, the theme song for Young Guns 2. Uh, and he's, if you've ever seen the music video for Blaze of Glory, it's one of the greatest things ever made. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise is in this movie secretly. Uh, yeah. th- everything about this movie is great. Uh, and it's a Western, which is awesome because... Westerns are great because if you enjoy being lied to on cinema, uh, that's what Westerns basically do. That's their purpose. Uh, and they've been doing it uh, from the beginning of cinema to this very day. Yeah, it's... Oh. I, I I do have to say, I watched this movie mostly last night mm-hmm. and a little bit this morning because I had to stop because the wild energy of this movie was making me <laughs> so anxious. Mm-hmm. I couldn't finish. <laughs> and you haven't even seen the second one. Which I is, haven't seen the second you, one yet. Do eventually see it because really, I don't even think of them as, as two separate movies. It's really just one long, great 
uh, film. And this, the second movie, though, is, I think, technically a better movie, but also not as satisfying. Actually, so funny story. Uh, we had a, uh, they, they, we had to do a health and safety inspection for our apartment this morning. It's just the annual mm-hmm. thing. And our, so our building manager came in while I was still watching this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sorry, I'm watching Young Guns. I have a, I have a thing later. And he was like, oh, the second one is so much better. It's one of those few <laughs> movies where like the second one is just like arguably better. <laughs> he was like, the first one's good, but like, you've got to watch the second one. The most interesting part about that was having to make small talk with an RA for the first time in 15 years. <laughs> But they had stuff to say. Everybody has something to say about Young Guns if, yeah. if, if it's if they've been a part of it because it's uh, it's just one of those things. Because it, it it crosses generations. When it came out, it was sort of kind of panned as sort of being just they were just cashing in on all these uh, these young uh, uh, actors and their popularity, uh, uh, and they they kind of tossed it aside. But it was a hit, and it's sort of grown into being appreciated as a. It's actually a good Western film. Production-wise, all these things is part of that last gasp of uh, studio westerns of that era. Studio original westerns, anyway, with Young Guns, Tombstone, uh, Quick and the Dead, Unforgiven. Uh, and that's kind of when, after that, their studios don't really make western movies anymore. And when they, a handful of times they do, they're just been remakes, like True Grit and Magnificent Seven. But uh, this movie has sort of gained a lot of respect. And actually, a lot of people are surprised to know that it's actually uh, way more historically accurate than you would think. Yeah, I, I so I looked a lot of that up after mm. too. I was like a lot of the a lot of the like the actual events of this movie like did happen, so like you can't really criticize that. I was like and it's not a criticism, but the way that they have fictionalized it, Emilio Estevez's character is such a fucking psychopath. Oh, absolutely. He has such like fucking American psycho energy mm-hmm. that I was like so stressed out watching. I was like, just every time one of the other guys want to leave, I was like, just leave. Just do leave. it. And he just, oh, there's just that Emilio West of his laugh after he shoots oh, somebody in God. the head. Oh, God. He it's, just, it's the best. He... <laughs> he is so easily able to, to like modulate between like, sweet normal guy and just absolute fucking maniac he's given he is just eating the scenery of every single scene he's fucking in (laughs) it Um, runs in the family but like oh i was it was making me so anxious i only made it to when they were uh when they went down to mexico and he's writing the fake surrender letter in the bath for some reason (laughs) like and that's when i like had to stop last night and then i picked it up from there this morning um (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it was wild. I see, I did very much enjoy it, but I just like had no idea what I was getting into, and it's so much longer than I thought it was. <laughs> it's a long movie. It covers because it covers this whole yeah thing. The Lincoln County Wars was an it was intense... like two years. It was seven years, and it was a lot. I mean, there was actually between depending on what where what source you read, it wasn't five young guys <laughs> in uh, as the Lincoln County regulators. It was between twenty four and forty five different guys. Yeah, uh, damn. and they were all. It was. This is basically just a gang war between two companies that wanted to get a a, a stranglehold on the beef uh, business in Lincoln, New Mexico. And one guy uh, was thought he was just dealing in a business situation. Situation, and the other group of guys said, "Fuck you, we're going to kill you," and did. <laughs> and then everyone else just started shooting each other for two years, uh, so they could run the beef trade. Yeah, one. It started with the. Uh, oh God, who played John Tunstall? Sorry, uh, Terrence Stamp. Terrence Stamp. Okay, Terrence mm. Stamp is doing. I, like I know he's actually British, but he's doing like almost a Tim Dalton the whole time he's on screen. <laughs> so he's just yelling, "Time Lord." <laughs> 
he's just doing like this very specifically like stilted version of his own accent like it's very weird he's kind of a frontier daddy warbucks yeah uh, and he's taking in all these kids which is historically uh john tunstall was uh 24 years old uh he wasn't an, a father and none and there was no sort of uh father figure situation going on with no. any of these people no, they're no. all just they're all just buds um but uh they decided to go in a different direction for the movie, which is probably better because Terrence Stamp is great and you do feel uh, terrible uh, when he dies. Yeah. When he dies. I do like at the end that like, um, it's so clear they didn't think they were making a sequel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the movie ends. I came in with Ren and then told Ren and I was like, the funniest thing is that this movie ends with Kiefer Sutherland doing a voiceover of like how they all went their own separate ways and like talks all the way through to like when Billy dies and then the next movie. Oh, no, nope, they're all back. Nope, they're all back, and they and they bring, and they've added Christian they Slater. Bring, they have to bring Kiefer Sutherland and and uh, Lou Diamond, and they've added Christopher uh, Christian, Christian Slater, Slater yeah. and um, also what's his name, Cameron Fry from uh, from Ferris Bueller. He's also added into it. Barry Bostwick, baby, because they killed everybody else. Um, <laughs> Viggo Mortensen is also in it as uh, you know, the people hunting him down, and it's they go into. Uh, the second one's a little bit less slightly historically accurate, but it, there's also some interesting things in there because there was a person that came forward many, many years later and claimed to be uh, Billy the Kid. Yeah, it's told from his point of view. The guy who came forward in 1950 and said he, yeah. said he was Billy the Kid and that, and that Pat Garrett hadn't actually killed him. And there is some compelling evidence that he may not have been lying, but also a lot of historians think that he was kind of full of shit and might have just gotten some information somewhere along the way but but yeah it's cool i mean it's up that guy coming forward as billy the kid is up there with like of one of the like great american mysteries with like who is db cooper like it's one of those things that people love to fictionalize and like postulate about it's so funny because it's so crazy the whole thing about the old west and all these people like billy the kid and wyatt earp who's another person i could talk about for several hours and then because these were all real people they were all running doing things in the west uh but at the same time they were getting a name in the media and they were selling, basically writing comic books about them on the East coast and selling those. And they were basically these heroes, these folk heroes running around. Uh, And in reality, most of them were just tremendous assholes. Yeah. They were huge dicks and like kind of psychopaths. So like, that's why I think that Amelia Mestivus's performance is like so brilliant, but also just like makes me so anxious. (laughs) Oh, it's brilliant because that's what Billy the kid was. Billy, like all good child warriors, they kill because they have no sense of humanity. Uh, and that was what was going on. Billy the Kid was abandoned when he was 12 years old and was just left to walk around the streets and he ended up rolling and running with gangs. Yeah. Uh, he, Billy the Kid died when he was 21 years old. All the stuff he did was, it was like a, a two, over a two year period where he was actually famous. Mm-hmm. And it was just this 18, 19 year old, 20 year old kid running around fucking uh, shooting people and stealing cattle. Uh, and he became a hero. Yep. Which is just insane. Um, but then again, it's not that insane if you really think about it, like as what's going on, the right people uh, uh, take hold of something. And, you know, if you were alive back then, you might not have thought Billy the Kid was such an impressive person. Yeah. But, but now you do. This is also a uh, one of the, I, I don't think there's that many where you have uh, both, both, uh, both Sheen boys, both Estevez boys, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever you want to yeah. call it. Both, the, both of the Estevez boys in the same movie. Yeah. Uh, they were still young. <laughs> Except Charlie Sheen gets killed halfway through. Was there ever a movie that you got uh, the whole the whole trio yeah, of Estevez know. Sheens? Not that I know I, of. I, there might have been. They, 
they did a movie a couple years ago, actually probably like 15, 20 years ago now. Uh, it was about the, the, uh, the O'Farrell Brothers Theater in San Francisco. They're basically about these two pornographers that live in San Francisco. No, oh, I'm aware of who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they played the brothers. And the murder. <laughs> yeah, and the murder. And I think Martin Sheen might have also had a part in that Maybe. movie as well. I always think, I know there was a movie a few years ago they did with all three generations of Douglases. Oh, that's right. But I haven't seen anything with the Sheens. But but yeah, they're both in it. Yeah, they're both in this. And it's funny because Emilio's the wild one and, and Charlie is the one who passes on the peyote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in this movie, which everyone, I watched it again last yeah. night with the audio. Uh, oh, that the, peyote you know, scene comment. is oh, uncomfortable. Uh, Everything about it is wonderful. I love it. Uh, yeah, Rupert, uh, just you gotta see the size of that chicken, and he's just yeah. shooting, <laughs> shooting. Casey Smites goes throwing up. Uh, Kiefer's writing ballads to the 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 girl, yeah, <laughs> that he's in love with. Yo, Kiefer strange... Sutherland's just got yellow fever, dude. He knows nothing about this woman. <laughs> Does not know anything about her. Kiefer Sutherland in the eighties exudes like the most fuckboy energy I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Who? Kiefer Sutherland specifically in the 80s. Oh, yeah. You know what? Just like dripping off of him. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, I think he was <laughs> dating Julia Roberts around this time. I think that was what was going on. That sounds right. This this was 1988. So um, as, some, as something also made in 1988, I can confirm it has a very <laughs> 1988 energy. Yeah. Um, it Somehow everything about Lou Diamond Phillips' character somehow mm-hmm. manages to insult both Mexicans and indigenous people. He refers to himself as an Indian at one point. Like, it's just so, like, 1988. Everything about his character, like, watching it from the vantage point of 2020, I'm like, oh, this is so bad. You know, I feel like this was written by, uh, by a white guy who just discovered Native culture and is now trying to, to, to show what he knows about it. Yeah. Um, uh, also, Lou Diamond Phillips was cast as as everything. Uh, who's who's of Filipino descent? I I believe. Yeah, I was gonna say he's not. He's not neither Mexican, Mexican or native, native. But uh, but he got the gig uh, yeah. because that's what happened back then. Well, because the producers were like, "You down with LDP?" What? And the producers like were like, "You down with LDP?" Got it. Like, yeah, you know me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it wasn't worth interrupting for, but I did it. I do have to say, there uh, after the the peyote scene itself. Oh no! Oh boy! Oh buddy! However, <laughs> the everything that follows the peyote scene, which is basically you know bunch of high as fuck white boys riding through town, was absolutely perfect. You're in the spirit world, asshole. They can't see you. Yeah, Emilio Estevez is fucking riding his horse backwards. Mm-hmm. It's it's fucking. As someone who has seen many a high white boy, accurate. <laughs> looks about right and charlie sheen did not do the peyote in that scene and then he died shortly thereafter he did um but uh it was interesting because yes they were brothers uh, they still are brothers uh and they worked on that movie together and emilio plays the crazy one and charlie was the straight edge which was completely not what was going on ever behind i watched i watched the, the movie with the the commentary and it has uh, lou diamond phillips rupert and uh casey samaisco they do the audio commentary emilio apparently had been going through a really bad breakup at this time uh, and was not doing very well. Uh, so he had friends. Hence why Tom Cruise is an extra in one scene. Because Tom Cruise is a good buddy of his. And he came to hang out. I didn't even notice. I heard there were a lot of weird cameos in this. But I didn't catch any. It's like blink and you miss it. Yeah. Yeah, you have to know. But once you know it's there, you'll never miss it ever again. It's like Jimmy Buffett's cameo in Hook. Yeah. In that last scene, there's a lot. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise is one of the people that get killed. Randy Travis. 
Emilio Estevez is actually one of the people shooting at Emilio Estevez uh, <laughs> somewhere in the back because he got bored when they were doing that scene and just went out there and sh- hung out as an extra. Wait, Randy yeah. Travis is one of them? Yeah, Randy Travis is one of them. He was hanging okay. out. A lot of people were hanging out on this set because it was directed by Christopher Kane, who uh, is father of uh, Superman Dean Kane, um, who was dating Brooke Shields at the time. So they would come and hang out on the set. Emilio Estevez had Tom Cruise and all these people come hang out. Charlie Sheen uh, was partying his ass off in the condos that they had bought. Um, and they mentioned in the commentary that uh, the girl who played uh, Lin Sun, uh, who was Emilio, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's love interest, yeah. uh, unfortunately got the condo next to Charlie Sheen um, and had to deal with the constant insanity that was going on uh, at that time. Oh, just, no. he, he was just partying. And this is 1980s Charlie Sheen where, like, you know, it wasn't a problem. Yeah. It was 1988. It wasn't a problem. It was just the 80s. It wasn't a problem as far as anyone was concerned. <laughs> so they just dealt with it. Um, and maybe that's why he ended up dying halfway through the movie. They, and he was also terrible on horse, horseback as well. Everyone else had been training and doing their thing, and Charlie Sheen could not get it down one bit. They should have just given him like a motorcycle. <laughs> right? Just let him ride around. Um, yeah, it could. I mean, that probably only helped the fact that he just constantly looked constipated up on that horse. <laughs> well, it looks like everything in the old West was hundred percent uncomfortable all the time. So that I get that. I mean, that living in the West must've been hell on, on every, every scale. It was uncomfortable. Uh, there's no medicine. There's very few sanitary conditions. Uh, it was super easy to get murdered. It was super easy to get murdered. Life was cheap. Uh, if you cross the wrong, there's really no law enforcement is the, the the guy who decided to take the job, which is no qualifications whatsoever. If you lived in a boom town, uh, you were uh, you were completely under the control of the, the the wealthy people that owned it and the gangs they hired to run it. Uh, if you were in a not boom town, you were just living in in hell. If you ever been in Phoenix, Arizona in the summer in the outside. <laughs> <laughs> and then started to think, how the fuck did people live in this when there was no air conditioning and they were wearing fucking like just top layers to and layers yeah layers and layers uh i don't know how anyone lived more than a few weeks out there let alone created a life right uh, so uh anyone that was able to do that is insane and, and they did a decent job of, of showing that because this is sort of in the later era of westerns where people were actually a little bit concerned about making it at least seem realistic as opposed to in like the 50s when john wayne's walking around and not a speck of dust is on his outfit an immaculate (laughs) immaculate outfit on a completely clean uh set with lots of white people playing native americans lots of white people playing the americans and and the natives and you know (laughs) there wasn't really a concern for any sort of uh uh accuracy at least they were they were they were it was edging towards that and there seemed to be a concern uh for it (laughs) by this time I, I do have to give them credit that despite despite what I said about like the peyote scene in the entirety of Lou Diamond Phillips's character, the only time they do actually show uh, like first peoples in this, it's just like silently as they're moving through, and it's not really that weird or bad a depiction. Like I do have to give them credit for that. <laughs> They, they could have done worse. They could have done uh, way worse. They could have done a lot of worse. Uh, Lou Diamond, uh, Chavez, Chavez is portrayed as as one of the smarter uh, and more uh, honorable people in the movie, mm-hmm. and he does have that great speech about how he why he doesn't give a fuck about anything because of why his family was killed, how his family and his entire uh, reservation was murdered by Murphy, and why he has his own reasons, which is a touching uh, speech. 
that at least was trying to point out the fact that uh, the native people had been screwed over way worse than any of uh, these white people who are running around. Yeah. Uh, uh, mad about their friend being killed. Yeah. Oh, it I just would have been nice like, suppose they cast a native actor at the time. Every, everything. I'm just, I'm so happy that I now got to watch this for this episode <laughs> because like everything about it. So this all started when you had posted like a joke about it that I was like, no, this is great. And you're not wrong. This movie vacillates wildly between like a weird romanticism for its subject. And then like the, it, it all has to do with the pacing, like during, during like the scenes where they're riding or when they're like fighting, there's like this wild, like romanticism and, and that whole spirit of like the Western. And then when they swing back into the like fictitious stuff, focused on the guys it suddenly just becomes this kind of like tense horror thing again because now you're just following billy being a fucking psycho oh it just the energy of this movie just vacillates wildly and i'm so into it the only audio i really heard from it uh when you were watching it was from the other room all i heard was like what felt like 10 minutes of just gunshots and someone screaming you maniac (laughs) Pretty yeah, because much. even they didn't trust uh, uh, Billy the Kid in this movie because he's he's just shooting. He's just shooting at everybody. He just wants uh, to kill everybody. Yeah, he just wants to kill everybody. Which, it's, in fairness, it's, it's a gang yeah. war. But, like, they don't really frame it that way. It's a gang war, and it is very true. It, the, the, the reality was, it, and they play it just like they did in the movie, they, they Tunstall was killed. Uh, they deputized all of Tunstall's friends to go out and get the guys that killed him. Uh, and nine days later, they, they they went out there and they fucking killed all of them. And nine days later, they're like, nope, you're not cops anymore. <laughs> you're not allowed to do this. Uh, you got to stop. And then they didn't stop. They were like, we asked you to serve a bunch of warrants and you went and killed everybody. Yeah, you're supposed to go arrest people. And they just killed them. In nine days, they just killed everyone that they fucking found and didn't give a fuck. And then when they told them that they had to stop, they just kept doing it. But it's just, it's so wild because they make it seem... The way that the the movie portrays it is it's like Billy is the one like dragging everybody behind him because he's this like psychomagnetic personality. But in reality, in in like all of these people were there voluntarily, like it was a band of psychos. Oh, yeah, no, they were all there. They were all down to do it. And they were all at least partially they did murder their friend in cold blood and would have murdered anyone else. So they weren't entirely unjustified. But there's that part in the in this in the when they I think it's the first person they go after uh, and. They realize that their buddy uh, is is a turncoat. Yeah, and but it's also a very slim case that uh, Billy made against him before shooting him in the head and spraying his blood all over Kiefer Sutherland's face, where he just kind of in the moment was like, "Hey, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you're with us anymore." Uh, and then he shot him, and everyone's just like, "All right, okay." I, that didn't surprise me though. As soon as that guy showed up and he was like, "Oh, you're one of Marshall's boys," he's like, "Yeah, but I'm not anymore." And I was like, "So that dude's a spy, <laughs> yeah. or they're gonna kill him as one later." That's for sure happening. They let him in. They let him in real easy. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, it was, it was easy to get work as long as you were willing to do the job. Yeah, it was. It was just. It was just. I, I, the pacing of this movie is wild. Underscored by an '80s cop theme. Anytime they're on horses. Ugh. It's like an 80s cop theme that also occasionally sounds like Jimmy Buffett's band. <laughs> There's a little Buffett in there. There's I like that, that very specific like uh, harmonica that can do all the notes rather than just one ones in a certain key uh, that is all over this score. <laughs> and also all over most Jimmy Buffett albums until like 1997, courtesy of Mr. Greg Fingers Taylor. I could see uh, Emilio uh, ending up uh, being a parent head. 
Oh, uh, one up. of the Sheens has I to. I miss this movie. Uh, watching this makes me remember how much I miss uh, Emilio Estevez because he right. He's What's so he doing? Underappreciated. What's Great. he doing? Just chilling. He's so underappreciated. He's he's a guy who like he made he had a good career. He grew up in the business yeah. and I think uh, had a sense of what it was. He uh, I obviously avoided some of the pitfalls of his brother, which probably uh, helped a lot. And I think he's one of these guys that you know he had his run, he made his money, and at a certain point he decided he wanted to direct and and write. Uh, and he stuck to his guns. And he I think it was the third Mighty Ducks movie. He said, I'm not doing this unless I can I can direct my movie. I actually recently watched the third Mighty Ducks movie, and they clearly had him for like three days. Yeah, three days. He made a deal <laughs> to show up, do this, and he got and they gave they gave him funding to make uh, the War at Home, which was a, a a play that he wanted to direct. And since then he's 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 made a couple movies. He did Bobby, he did uh the the movie with Charlie with about the the brothers in San Francisco. I, I I think he's one of those guys that he has his money and he had his career and now he he just works on the projects he wants. So every couple of years he directs I mean, a movie. Good for him. And uh, I walked by him in Studio City one time and it was uh, a couple of years ago and uh, it was kind of surprising because in my head is Billy the Kid uh, and and Breakfast Club and, and Gordon Bombay and I walked by him and I it took me a second to realize it was him because it was just this sort of shorter guy in his mid fifties, a little bit, a little bit of weight put on. And I'm like, Holy shit, that was Emilio. That was Emilio Estevez, but he didn't look like the kid anymore. I have found a photo of Emilio Estevez with Jimmy Buffett. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't really, I mean, I'm looking at his IMDb. He, he did one movie in 2018. Other than that, he's done some like voices. Is that that hiking one that Martin Sheen was in? What? Yeah. Was it that, that one where, where Martin Sheen was like a hiker? I don't know. It's called public. The public. Uh, no, it looks like one. it's about a public school. Oh yeah, he did that movie where Martin Sheen was was hiking thing. The yeah, way he, he, that was the yeah. way that was the in way, 2010. Yeah. He does what he wants, and but like I do miss him. I do miss him because he was he was just one of those guys that you just sort of he's he was always sort of he always kind of had that sort of smarmy laugh, and he was always had a, had that thing. But you also kind of liked him a little bit, and no matter what he was doing, yeah, because he just had that sort of he was just a little guy, and he was but he was he was watchable the last thing i personally remember him in because i rewatch this all the time and it's true is in uh he's in that one episode of west wing in 2003 as a younger as his dad younger which is perfect i mean if if you're gonna have to cast a young jed bartlett get one of the sons and preferably not the one who in 2003 was having a public breakdown No, no, you want you want Emilio in yeah. most of those cases. Wait, that, that wasn't that wasn't Emilio. Yes, it is. On West Wing? No, what? He plays young Jed Bartlett in one of the. Well, no, not that one. Oh, okay. I know which one you're thinking of, but he does play young Jed Bartlett in one episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking about the one with uh, Mrs. Lanningham. No, not the one with Mrs. Lanningham. That's obviously not him. Sh- oh, gotcha. There's another one with a flashback that he's he plays. Mm. As long as Emilio was was staying busy. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he would have been he would have been too old to play high school Jed. I was gonna say, yeah, he would have been like thirty five. No, he, he's not. No, he's not in the he's not in two <laughs> cathedrals. Okay, that that makes a lot more sense. I was like, hold on. <laughs> now I gotta figure out exactly which episode this is, or it's gonna drive both of us crazy. <laughs> uh, Beth, while you're while you're looking up that, uh, Michael Rose, before we bury this podcast in a grave marked pals. True story, by the way. Do you know what it is? What is it's, it? This is why you didn't you don't know about it. I was like, I know, I knew it was, it was when he gets, um, it's in uh, 25 
right in episode right in like season three he's he plays his dad in in um like news footage oh yeah huh there's like there's news footage playing after Bartlett gets shot. There's news footage playing of him when he was younger on the TV, and they recorded special footage of Emilio Estevez as his dad for this news footage that you only see in the background in the hospital. Oh yeah, and you're you're right. I I don't I don't remember that episode because uh, that show stopped after season four and then came back in halfway through season six. Okay, this was two thousand three. <laughs> so it was it was it was definitely not the time period it was before season four <laughs> whatever fuck you <laughs> but uh as, as i was as i was saying michael rose before we uh bury this podcast in a grave marked pals mm-hmm. is there any other uh topics in young gunitude uh that we haven't discussed that you would like to cover well, the thing I like about Young Guns, uh, uh, one into one, one long great saga, uh, is uh, it's a great uh, starter western if it's something that you'd be interested in picking up. But a lot of the older westerns, if uh, even like the more classic ones like Searchers or uh, Men Who Shot Liberty Valance, sometimes they're a little bit hard to lock into if you're not into it already. Or used to like classic Western pacing. Yeah, or used to that whole thing because it's just a different, uh, uh, in many ways, a different cinema language. But the thing about, uh, so Young Guns is a great way to sort of get into that and then you can kind of work from there if that's something you want to get into. But the thing about Westerns in general is that it so much of them uh, is sort of a blueprint for what America is or has been uh, because they're, they've always been one of the most popular, from the beginning of cinema, they've been one of the most popular uh uh genres uh and they don't make technically they don't make westerns anymore but they also never stop making them uh in a sense that most superhero movies and action movies are westerns just not set in the west uh and a lot of what people still uh choose to enjoy in movies are based on what they created on with uh western cinema throughout the entire history of movies and you can kind of go back and and, and figure out what why do you like the Avengers? Oh, well, here's the Wild Bunch. Uh, and they've sort of taken these templates forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, Westerns were so important to the formation of American cinema. You don't have anything without Westerns, basically. You don't have anything. Because that's that's the fantasy that uh, white men had back then. <laughs> that Because they all grew up reading uh, uh, and, and reading about cowboys and Indians. And yeah. then they became filmmakers. And then they started making Westerns. And then that became the dominant form of cinema until probably about the seventies when people started getting into drugs. Yeah. And then after that, it was the eighties and industrial action cinema, uh, which is what everyone was making with Stallone and Schwarzenegger, but those are all just Westerns set in modern times. Set in factories. And then all the kids that grew up uh, reading comic books ended up becoming, making comic book movies. And then not just Logan, most comic book movies are Westerns because it's mostly about a guy with a gun uh, taking uh, the law into his own hand. If you don't have Westerns, you don't end up with Quentin Tarantino. You don't end up with so much. And you also don't end up with the, the American mentality that uh, uh, it's only up to you <laughs> and pull you up by your own bootstraps. And if you have a gun, uh, no one can fuck with you, which is not necessarily the best uh, gift that the Western cinema has ever given us. <laughs> that, gu- that gun beats everything else. Gun beats everything else, which unfortunately is true if someone has a gun in front of you and you don't. Gun beats um, person, gun beats yeah. horse. Unless you're Chavez y Chavez and then knife beats gun. Knife in the neck beats gun. <laughs> Every time, but you got to be a skilled knifesman. You can't just show up with a knife. But, yeah. 
there's so much great uh, visual language in, in Western cinema and Western in general. Uh, and also, have you ever been to the Autry Museum? Yeah, we oh, live right here. Oh, yeah, I love the Autry Museum. It's probably my favorite museum in all of L.A. And if we ever get to a place where you can go inside museums again, I highly recommend uh, to people to go out there to go to the Autry Museum of Western Heritage because uh, not only does it have a ton of really cool Western stuff like Wyatt Earp's gun and Doc Holliday's gun and an actual saloon that was cut out of a, an old Western town, uh, but they also always have great installations about uh, L.A. history in general. And it's a great L.A. Uh, museum. And there's actually a whole, uh, if it is still there, there was for a while a whole display on Western movies in particular. Yeah, yeah, they have that. And from all the way from the very beginning to, uh, I think that exhibit shows its age a little bit. I think the most current movie in that is Thelma and Louise. <laughs> Last yeah. time I checked. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. But I think, yeah. That's, I think that's a permanent exhibit there. I, I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some great, uh, in one of the exhibits upstairs, there's like a big Teddy Roosevelt quote on the mm -hmm. wall that says something like, no, you know, invading force has ever been kinder to the indigenous <laughs> people than the Americans have <laughs> yeah. to the Indians or something like that. And, I, and like just seeing that quote huge, I was like, wow, oh. missing the point, T.R. He probably believed it. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Oh, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he 100% did. So there's so much, and I, I encouraged because there's so much about uh, Western history that is fascinating. The Young Guns is a great way to do it because the Lincoln County Wars is also a very interesting uh, point in uh, uh, history. But if you want to, if you take Young Guns and then you, you, you go out from there, if you watch, you know, Tombstone about Wyatt Earp uh, uh, or Wyatt Earp if you're a nerd, uh, the Kevin Costner one. But <laughs> I was say this Young Guns feels like the like. 80s version of Tombstone. Yeah, yeah, they're all sort of high, highly related. It was the part where they sort of were taking historical Western things and, and making movies, and that was the last thing they were making Westerns about. And they're both very much, like, of their time. Like, this is a very 80s one. Tombstone is, like, the most 1995 movie ever made. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, I love Tombstone as well. But, like, if you ever if you watch these movies and you, and you find that you're interested in the history, it's worth sort of diving into sort of seeing what... Uh, because we talk about Billy the Kid and Wyatt Earp are mentioned. Fucking Trump mentioned Wyatt Earp in one of his uh, speeches a couple weeks ago. People have an idea of these people as these sort of historical, these, these movie characters or the, the myth or the legend of, the, of, of these characters. And they're not Iron Man. They're not uh, 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 fictional characters. They were real people and they were tremendously flawed like we all are. Uh, yeah. and, and they may have done some interesting things, sometimes heroic, sometimes not. Um, but it's worth involved just checking out the history about these people and learning what the difference is between uh the the myth and the legend and and the reality of the fact that these were real people they weren't fictional characters and you can actually see what they were doing and wider uh and billy the kid were complicated people but they were also murderers but they were also uh at times justified and at times not billy the kid was like i said he was an orphan he was abandoned when he was 12 years old and had to fend for himself and was dead by the age of 21 after killing something like 20 people uh uh, and it, Billy the Kid, yeah. total disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and, Wyatt yeah. Earp, great guy. Strong on strong on two A. Turned out to be a total mensch in the end, but uh, before that, killed lots of people. Uh, so it, you know, in, if you feel like checking out westerns, uh, Young Guns is a great way to start, uh, and then you can go forward or backward from there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go check out Young Guns too now. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely worth it. Let me know when you do, because I'll be curious to uh, <laughs> what you have to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm like very, I'm going to find it. I'm very interested now. <laughs> it's, I thought it was Young Guns Part Deux. <laughs> okay. 
How dare you? Okay. <laughs> How dare you? So, uh, Michael Rose, if people wanted to find more Michael Rose content on uh, their internet, how could they do that? Uh, you can find me at uh, MikeFlowers99 at, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, or you can check out uh, Friendo has been staying busy over this uh, period, making all kinds of fun uh, videos and things. So check out Friendo Sketch on the internet. And uh, fingers crossed, one of these days, maybe uh, we'll have a, a live theater again and Sketchitude will return because I miss doing it a whole bunch. Sketchitude is one of my favorite shows in Los Angeles and it's always such a blast to do. Yes, and we always enjoyed having you on. I'm, I'm super bummed right now because uh, we're coming up on uh, uh, Halloween. You guys did the Beetlejuice one last year. We did Beetlejuice last year and we did the Adams Family before that and we had something really cool planned uh, for this year. And when this all started, I'm like, oh, well, we'll be back by October so we'll be able to at least get to do that. Um, and tell us what happen. it is. I'll, I'll bleep it out, but tell us what it is. Uh, we were going to do. Nice. Yeah. And we were super excited for that, but uh, we didn't get to, to get into the uh, the really fun part, which was putting it all together. So hopefully this time next year, we'll be able to do a, a fun Halloween store episode. Now we've had you and we've had one of your go-go dancers, uh, Aaron, Aaron Bounds on here. We're going to have to get, you know, we're going to have to get uh, Fernandez and we're going to have to get uh, Vaughn on here and then we'll have the whole set. Get the whole crew. Please do. I'm surprised we haven't had Vaughn on yet. Me too. Yeah, he's a he's a big video game head, among other things. And Andrew knows all sorts of random things about all sorts of oh, random yeah. things. And you have had Jillian Dunn, who's also one of our our honorary guest hosts and good friends of the shows as well. Yeah. Well, we've actually known Alex Vaughn since before we were involved at the pack because he was in one of the versions of The Wheel of Invention, Brandon's play that we oh, did a few years ago. Cool. Yeah, we we met yeah. through a, a writer's group like five, six years ago, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Alex is Alex is the best. Super, uh, oh, super yeah. talented fella. Um, I was really enjoying his like quarantine main that was happening. Yeah, he had a whole Don Quixote thing going on, and I was really, yeah. I was really digging it. I know that's what I said. He was very a uh, musketeer. It was a very <laughs> musketeer's look. Oh yeah, it was it was very like Doctor Strange at Burning Man. <laughs> We're all into it though. No, I was totally digging it when I when I saw that he had shaved and uh, and 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 cleaned it up. I was like, oh well, I guess production is uh, opening up again. Uh, yeah, it was a good uh, sign, but I do miss I do miss. The we'll look. have to tell him to listen to this one where he, where we all just compliment how handsome he is for like three minutes at the end I'm of sure the episode. He'll love it. Yeah, Alex Vaughn officially a hot piece, <laughs> official hottie. So uh, where where can you find my hot pieces on the internet? Glad you asked. Um, I can be found at Hell Yes Brandon on uh, all of the social stuff. Uh, Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour uh, has a monthly live show on twitch.tv slash packtheater uh, the third Wednesday of the month uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, we The last couple Twitch shows we've been we've done, it's essentially morphed into just a full-on produced sketch show now um, and has really quickly become, like, something really cool and, like, visually interesting that uh, has found its voice as a, you know, uh, recorded piece rather than a, a stage thing, which I do I do miss the stage show dearly because I I miss getting to be Andy Richter if he played guitar solos. <laughs> but um, the the Twitch show is so is so fun and so cool. Um, so that's worth checking out. Uh, my band Inkblot. Uh, we just released officially our cover of Little Drop of Poison by Tom Waits, which we had recorded for this like we're gonna remake Shrek scene by scene project that uh fell apart due to some sort of shrek related drama <laughs> that i'm not 
party to, but I just know that there was some sort of Shrek-related breakdown that led to this not uh, not happening. So we figured we might as well release it. Um, I'm usually not the lead singer for the, for this band, uh, but I can do a pretty good, like, guttural Tom Waits howl if I want to. Um, so if you want to hear that, you can check it out on uh, SoundCloud. I also... <laughs> this is so dumb. Uh, I just made a cover uh, of a song by uh, my pals in the Hell Yeah Babies, who are a, uh, a really great power pop band uh, based out of Astoria. Um, their latest single, Great Shot Kid, which is fucking awesome. It's like a really good uh, power pop tune that came out earlier in the summer about uh, f- like fucking up, <laughs> basically. Um, but I, just because... I, I don't know why I felt the need to do this, but I recorded a cover of that song as if it was recorded by Jimmy Buffett <laughs> from a live show like eight years ago. Um, and it is one of the more deranged things I've ever put on the Internet. Um, so you can track that down uh, if you if you find my social. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a hell of a weird thing I made. But uh, yeah. <laughs> That sounds fun. All right, Beth, what about you? Okay, uh, as usual, you can find me everywhere online at um, bscores, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S, with an underscore at the end. Uh, you can follow the show everywhere at, at IntuitPod. And we are back, uh, actually, this week, two days from now, uh, two, two, three days from now, depending on how you count things. Anyway, this Thursday, uh, October 22nd, we are returning for our second live show on the Pack Theater Twitch. Uh, we did one last month. It was super fun. We're very excited to do it again this month. Um, check out our social media for info on our guest and topic. Um, and uh, not really sure if we're going to be doing one next month because it falls on Thanksgiving, but we'll keep you posted. Or the month after because it falls on Christmas. There are no holidays this year. Don't worry about it. That's true. I guess. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But anyway, uh, tune in <laughs> Tune in this Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific time at uh, pa- uh, twitch.tv slash packtheater for I Think You'd Be Into It live. Um, and that's really all I have to promote. Uh, thank you, as always, to Kaylin West and Tiny Steels for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a Lot Like Giving Up, off the album Falling is Like Flying. That's all I got. She's released a couple new tracks uh, over the last few months that have been fantastic. She has. She's great. Her newest video basically looks like a sort of like punk rock glitter apocalypse, and it kind of rules. Hell yeah. Go check her out. (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, Michael Rose, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, As always... To end out the episode, you and I are going to duel. (laughs) Thank you very much uh, for having me. And uh, if there's there's one thing I could uh, leave you guys with, it's that you guys know the true meaning of the word pals. Aw, thanks. So so what you're saying is pals means being legally married. Yep, that's it. Yes. Cool, great. All right, bye everybody. Podcast over. (laughs) 